Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you and be doing church together. I've got a message for you this morning that I hope will stir you, encourage you, and just challenge you this morning. So I'm going to tell you a little story about my dad. My dad trained as a mechanic many years ago. And then over the years, he has mastered the art of restoration. He restores vehicles, all different kinds of cars over the years, Lotus, MGs, and most recently a Jeep. He will take what looks to the unmastered eye as myself, like a pile of junk that should have gone to the scrap heap. And he would take all these parts of a car and he will rebuild the car and it looked better than it ever looked like originally. And he's done this over the years many times. I'd be at home with my brother and sister and my mum and dad would come in with a box which contained an engine with a great big smile on his face and he'd be like, oh, I'm so excited, I'm going to get to restore this car. And we'd look at this engine that doesn't even work in bits and think, oh, okay, dad. But sure enough, he would put the time in. He'd put the expertise in. He would strip back the body of a car, strip off all the rust, sand it down, respray it, refit the engine. He'd source over the internet headlights and tires that are found overseas. And he would get these cars and put them back together. And they'd look incredible. And so to show you one of the cars he's done recently, I'm going to show you now a picture of a 1949 Willys Jeep that was used in America during World War II. And he came home with this picture. As you'll see, my mum was like, There's no seats, there's no engine pull, what are you going to do? But my dad was like, I've got a vision for that car, I can restore that Jeep to look like it did back in 1949. And now on this picture you will see that he did exactly what he set out to do. He restored that car. It took time, it took determination, it took a lot of rewiring, it took a lot of recalibrating the engine, but sure enough, He did it, and I love what he's done, and I'm very proud of how he does it because he turns something that looks into a pile of junk and he restores it into something that looks amazing. He then goes on to show all the cars at different shows and people come and marvel at the restoration work he's done and he takes them on the journey and shows them the pictures of what he did. And aren't you glad this morning, church, that we have a God who is a master restorer? He is a God of restoration. He made a plan that we would be restored into relationship with him by giving his son Jesus to die in our place for the sins that we've committed so that we can have right relationship with God. He is the master restorer. And not only that, all through scripture and all through our lives as living testimonies, we see that God restores us. God is the only one that can restore a broken mind, and make it whole again. God is the one that can step in to relationships that seem like they can never be fixed. And with his restoration power, he can restore. He can restore the addict to be whole again. He can make a way in people's lives where it seems impossible for anything to be restored. It looks like the car in parts, but God, by his power, through his resource, in his glory, can restore anyone back to the original plan that he had for their life, back to the vision that he always had for that person. He is our master restorer and I want to encourage you that with that this morning because I believe that everybody needs restoration. At times in our life we all need 
to be restored by the master. And particularly through the season that we've been in and that we're coming out of at the moment, I believe there has been so many issues in mental health because of the pandemic and the lockdown and stuff that's gone on. There's been so many fragmented minds. There's been so many relationships that perhaps weren't great before lockdown, but during it they've got even worse because of the isolation and the separation. There's been a lot of fear and anxiety have come into the hearts of people. There's been losses of loved ones. There's been job losses. There's been financial pressure and stress. There's been stuff. And if we were honest this morning, I think we would say, God, I need a little bit of restoration. I need you to take me on a journey of restoring me so that I can be the glorified person that you've called me to be, that I can step up and walk in the vision that you've always had for my life. But as life has happened, stuff has got attached. So maybe this morning we need to say, God, strip back the rust in my life. Strip back the stuff that isn't showing me how you want me to look, that you want to shine me up. You want to buff away all those dents and the things that have got to me. And you want to set me on a path of being restored and rebuilt in this season. So in advance, let's give God a round of applause for the restoration work that he can do because he is the master restorer this morning. Amen. I want to look at a restoration story in the Bible with you this morning. And this story talks of personal restoration for the people and also corporately as a city, as a nation. And I want to look at it in this way, that God has a personal restoration for you. The place you need restoring, he has it for you. But he also has a restoration for his church. He wants to restore and rebuild his church. He wants to take his church from glory to glory. You know, God is always doing a new thing. All through the scripture, we see that God is a continuous God that is always doing something new. And I believe that he wants to do something new with his church. As we come out of this season of lockdown, God has been doing stuff behind the scenes where he wants his church to shine more glorious than ever before. He wants to do a new thing, a thing that has not been seen before because it's new. And we as his people need to work with him to be restored and rebuilt as his church. You know, I want to be where God is, not where he was. And I think you'll agree with me. So let's choose today to say, God, restore in me. God, rebuild me. God, restore and rebuild your church so that we can be stronger than ever before in this new season that we are going into. And I want to look at this story of restoration through the eyes of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah has a very significant role in restoration. He was a cupbearer to the king in Israel. It meant he lived in the palace. He had an amazing job, a very responsible job. Because what he would do is, when food or drink were presented to the king, he would have to taste it first to make sure it wasn't poisoned. So he would have all the finest wines. He'd get the Chateau Neuf de Pape or the Laurent Perret Rosé Champagne, and he would get to try that and all the delightful feasts before the king. But it was a very risky job because can you imagine you go off to work one morning, you don't know if that will be your last meal or your last taste of wine or your last sip of, of a lovely drink because it could be your last day because of the poison. But he had a very prestigious job and he was getting on with life in the palace with the king. And then one day he got word from his friends of what happened in Jerusalem. And what happened was they'd been under exile, they'd been plunder, the the town had been turned upside down. And what happened was the walls had been knocked down. 
the walls had been completely knocked down and the gates burned. And when Nehemiah got word of this, it was his city. It was his people. It was his place. And there he is in this palace looking out onto the ruins of Jerusalem. And he got a burden for that city. He got a burden for the people. He wanted to bring restoration to those walls. He couldn't eat. He couldn't sleep. He was so riled up with it because he thought it shouldn't be in that place of devastation. It should be in a place of restoration. And so he wanted to do something about it. And what he did was, we can find in Nehemiah 1 verses 5 to 6. This is him talking. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, The great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, for the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. He had a burden. He had a heart for restoration. And the first thing he did was pray to God about it. That's the first thing we need to do with the restoration for our lives and of our church and of our city. We need to pray to God. And then he confessed. He said, sorry for the things that we've done against you, God. Sorry for the things that may have got us in this position that we're in. But God, we need your restoration. And then it goes on later on in that chapter that he prayed for success. He said, God, give me success in my journey of restoration. Let me have your favor. Let me have your hand over this restoration, particularly as I go to speak to the king who I work for about it. Because remember, Nehemiah had a prestigious prestigious job in the palace. He was the cupbearer. But he went to the king and he expressed the burden that he had for his city. And the king gave him favor. The king gave him his seal of approval to go and rebuild the walls. And in fact, he said, when you go to rebuild them, I will give you resource. I will help you with all that I can to rebuild the walls. You have my authority. And church today, we have the authority of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to bring restoration in our lives, in our town, in our city, in our churches. We have the King's approval and we have the King on our side, the restoration King, the master rebuilder to help us rebuild lives and rebuild churches and rebuild towns. You have authority. So be reminded of that this morning. So once Nehemiah had the king's approval, he went out at night to go and look at the ruined walls and the burned gates. He went around Jerusalem. He went to go and inspect the damage. He went to see the rubble that was once walls. He went to look at the burnt gates because he needed to make a plan and he needed to have a strategy in order to do the rebuild. He looked at how much it would cost. What materials would he need? What laborers would he need? What would he need to get to build these walls again strong and reinstate the city? He took costs into account. He went and looked at the ruins before he could do the rebuild because restoration has a cost. Our our cost for the rebuild and restoration is that we need to hand over the ruins of our lives and give it to God. Because what happens is as people in our pride and our yearning for control of our lives, it's like, I'm okay. I'll just get on. I'm all right. I can do it my own strength. I can sort my own stuff out. But actually, when we lay before God 
the broken parts of our lives, the things that have got rusty, the things that aren't connected right, the things that are not aligned right, the stuff where we need God to breathe life again into and we lay it before him in humility. We're saying, you are God and I am not. God, will you restore to me what has been lost? God will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. God will restore to you the joy of your salvation. God will restore to you, again, that hope that that relationship can be fixed, that what is broken can be repaired. When we give it to him, when we say, I'll go on a journey with you, because sometimes restoration is painful, because in the stripping back, we feel exposed. But then when God comes in with his mighty power and his glory to rebuild us, he will rebuild us like we cannot imagine. He will do his work in completion because he is an amazing God that will restore us to the original blueprint and original plan that he has for our lives so we can trust him. But we've got to be ready to give it over to him. We've got to be ready to go on a journey. It might not happen overnight. It might take time. But as we're willing to go on a journey, and as we're willing to say maybe at some points we'll need some prayer, we'll need some ministry, we'll need some help, we need to gather other people around us. But God will enable that to happen in the process. But we need to give over ourselves to him and say, God, restore me and rebuild me. Over Christmas, Dan and I started to get into this program on television called The Property Brothers. I don't know if you've seen it, but I would recommend it. It's set in America, and it's these two twin brothers, and they are called master builders. They can literally do any trade at all in the building industry. So, for example, normally if you're doing a rebuild in your house, you will need to get in an electrician, you need to get a plumber, a plasterer, a tiler, a builder. You'd need all the different tradesmen to come in and do the renovation on your home. But these two, between them, cover all the trades. So they are known as master builders. They have a tool for every trade. And their show is incredible. So what they do is they go to people who want to rebuild their house. So they have a house set in the perfect location, but their house is not in the perfect alignment that they would like. They say the kitchen's too small or the lounge is too small. There's not enough bedrooms. They want to renovate the whole house. So they get the property brothers in. And they are such a good team as well. I really like the whole banter between them. But they come in and they will speak to the people that live there. And they will say, okay, first of all, you want to renovate this house. You want to make it work for your lives and how you live. And they say, yes. And they say, what's the budget? They always ask for the budget first. How much have we got to work with? So once they know what the budget is, because they're master builders, they then can look at the whole house and decide what can be done to create the perfect forever home. And when you watch the show, what happens every single time is they always knock walls down. They go in and they make the place open plan. They will knock down the wall that brings confinement between the kitchen and the dining room. They knock it down, knock it through to the living area, and all this light pours into the house. And then they start to rework the floors. They start to redo all the electrics. And along the way, they sometimes find hidden surprises, such as that walls were propped up with beams that were non-supportive, so they have to put new beams in. That there's asbestos on the floors, they have to get that dealt with. And all, of, all the time, they keep going back to the people and they say, don't worry, we can readjust the budget to make sure the right alignments happen so that it's built correctly. 
And about six weeks into the project, they get the people to come into the house and have a look at what they've done. And at this moment, you can see in people's faces, they're like, what have we done? Because all the walls are down, there's rubble everywhere, there's wires hanging from the ceiling with electrics, things are unfinished, and it's like, what happened to my home? But the brothers are like, just trust us, wait for the end result, and you'll see what we've done. And of course, the end result comes, and it is amazing. They have completely renovated homes, and the people are always amazed about what they've done. They come in and like, how can this be possible? There was our tiny little kitchen, and now look at it. And the way they decorate it, they add all the cushions and all the lovely bits. See Sarah Roberts about that, you know, follow her on her Instagram page. But you can make it look amazing. And they come in, and people are wowed with that. They are absolutely amazed. And the thing is, I want to tell you today that when we let God, the master builder, restore us, we will always be amazed by the outcome because it's greater than what we could do in our own strength when we allow him to come in because he has the blueprint for our lives. He has the greater vision for where he wants to renovate us and restore us and rebuild us. And we can trust him with that. If we look at Ephesians 30, verses 20 to 21, and I love this in the Passion Translation, it says, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now, we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church in every generation through Jesus Christ and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity. Amen. I love what that says. When you're looking at that through the eyes of restoration, don't doubt God's mighty power to do a work to accomplish more than you can imagine, that it's greater than your wildest dreams, that his miraculous power will energize you through the process. And that then it says that we offer up glorious praise to God through every church. Come on, we're praising our God for the renovation and restoration that he will do in us as people and as his church. So back to Nehemiah, he'd got the heart to restore the walls. He'd got the vision to do it. And now he needed to cast the vision to the team. So he went to Jerusalem and he spoke to all manner of people there. He spoke to people that were in government positions, to the everyday men and women of the town. And he told them about his desire to build the walls. And what is great is they captured the vision and the heart of this man, and they came alongside him. They said, we will come alongside and we will build with you. And through the scriptures, you can read it for yourself in Nehemiah. They start to build together, side by side, hand in hand, together to build and restore the walls. And it's a beautiful picture because God says in his word that he builds the house, he builds the church, but he chooses to co-labor with us. So he will build his church, but we can be the ones that say, we will come to the wall and we will build with you, God. You know, God is the one that restores us, but he puts people in our lives that will help us with the restoration process because it's about being gathered and doing it together, building and restoring together. It's a team thing. So they started to build the wall. And I'd love to tell you that was the end of the story. They built it and it was done. But the truth is, when they got to the wall and they started to build, they faced 
opposition because opposition will always come in the restoration and the building of something that is going to be amazing. You will always face opposition. And this came in the form of Sanballat, which means enemy in secret. Tobiah and Geshem and all their little gang. And they did not want the walls to be rebuilt. They did not want restoration to come to the people or to the city. And so they stood by the walls when the workers started to build and they started to throw insults at them. They started to whisper things to get them off track. They started to say, you feeble Jews, how do you ever think you are going to rebuild these walls? Look at the rubble. Look at the ruins of the walls. How are you possibly going to rebuild them? They took the mickey out of them. They poked fun at them. They told them it could not be done. It's like the enemy that comes with his distractions when we are in a process of being rebuilt and restored to all that God has called us to be. The enemy will come and say to you, you can never change. Your mind will always think that way. That relationship is beyond repair. Forget about it. You can never be that person because you've got so many issues in your life. He will sow seeds of fear. He will get you to get to a place where you will say, I'm going to down tools in my restoration. I'm going to put down my tools. I'm going to come off the wall. I'm not going to work anymore. I'm not going to work at rebuilding my life, of allowing God to restore me because it is too difficult, because I will always be like this. I will never think the way that God wants me to think. I'll always have those issues. I'll always remember what happened to me when I was a child. We start to build this picture because the enemy is desperate for you to put your tool down. In the building of church, you will say it's too difficult. It's easier just to watch it online. Don't get back into the gathering. Come on, you've got stuff going on in your life. He wants you to down tools. But I came here today to tell you, pick up your tool and get back to work. Because when God is with you and he is the one who is the master builder over the build and the restoration of your life and of the church, he will enable you to do immeasurably more than you could ask, think or imagine. But you need to get your tool in your hand. You need to not listen to the voice of the enemy. And you need to go ahead with the restoration and the promises that God has given you in your life. So don't listen to the enemy. Because the builders at Nehemiah's time almost stopped. It almost wobbled them. Because then they heard about how these enemies were after them. They were going to kill them. They were going to attack their families. And they were just at that point of we need to down tools and forget about this. But then Nehemiah encouraged, with, encouraged them with the truth of Nehemiah 4 verse 14. After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Remember the God who is for you. Remember God who will restore you and fight for your restoration. Fight for the restoration of the church because it's not just for you, it's for your family. It's for your friends. It's for this town. It's for this nation that we've got to get our fight back. We've got to get equipped. We've got to get ready to move forward. We can't stay in this place. We need to move forward because God's always in the new. And he's saying, let me restore you. Let me rebuild you. Let me position you for the new that's coming. 
And so they made a decision in Nehemiah to get equipped, to change the tactics, to get ready for fighting for the enemy whilst building the wall. Look at this with me in Nehemiah 4 verse 17. From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows and armour. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. He's telling us here how they got equipped, that they worked on the wall with their tool in one hand, their weapon in the other, and their sword in the side. And I want to say to you that we are equipped spiritually with our tools to do the work of God in one hand, with our weapons of warfare in the other, with our sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God at our side. We need to be equipped with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God, and with our weapons of warfare in order to rebuild, restore, and move forward. So I want to say to you this morning, church, are you dressed ready for restoration? Are you wearing the full armour of God. I want to encourage you with that. God has given us a description in the book of Ephesians of what we need to wear because we are in a spiritual battle. Let me read it to you in Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 18. It's entitled the armour of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. You see, this is telling us how to be equipped. You know, we need to remember that we are in a spiritual battle as Christians, as followers of Christ. And we need to be armed well. We need to have the full armour of God on. You know, about six years ago, I did a preach about the armour of God and I went through every part of the armour and why it's important that we need to wear it. And I encourage you, do your own study on it. Get into that and find out why you need the helmet of salvation, why you need the belt of truth. Remind yourself of it. Anyway, on this preach at the end, I spoke and I said, actually, when you get dressed every day to go out and start your day, imagine putting on every part of the armour. Put the breastplate of righteousness on. Put the, the sandals of the gospel of peace on. Get your sword of the spirit ready. Go out armed and dressed. So just as you would get dressed, almost do it as though you're doing it. Anyway, in our connect group a few weeks ago, 
we're talking about the armor of God. And Beth Lewis said, you know, she said, I remember your preach from all those years ago. And every day I physically do that. As I'm getting dressed, I put on all the parts of the armor of God so that I'm equipped for the day. And she said, do you know, the other week I forgot to do it. I was in a rush and I had a terrible day and it got to about lunchtime. And I thought, do you know what? I haven't put my armor on. And so I did it then. And I thought it was so significant that actually we can forget to put our armor on. We can forget to be dressed in the way that God has called us to be dressed so that when we've got that armor on, when the enemy comes in with his whispers and his lies and he tries to stop us building and restoring, we can say, no, I'm dressed right. That when we've got the word of God in us, we are ready at every moment with the word of God. So when the lies come in and we're like, oh no, onslaught of the enemy, spiritual forces, stuff that's happening, we've got the word of God to shout it back at the enemy so that he will retreat. But I want to say, let's get ready. You know, there's been a joke during lockdown all over the media, and you maybe have even said it yourself, that the way people have dressed for work or dressed for homeschool or got ready for the day is to not get dressed and they're in their pyjamas. And I want to say, when you're not dressed right, you're going to get picked off by the enemy. So get out of the pyjamas and get into the armour of God for this season. It's a time for the church to warfare. We've got to go to battle. We've got to be positioned on the wall like the men in Nehemiah's time, that they were ready to build. They were ready with their tools, but they had their weapons at the ready. They had a surrounded of people around the wall who were ready with the shields and with the swords and were looking for when the attacks would come. They were equipped and they were ready We need to get ready, church. We need to be equipped. We need to open our spiritual eyes again in this season as we step in to what we're called to, but be aware of what is going on. And always remember that we have the victory because we are on the winning side. Amen. So the enemies still went on at the builders. They still brought onslaught. They then said, that they'd sent a letter to the king saying that Nehemiah and his followers were trying to revolt the king. They're trying to overthrow the throne. They said all these lies about them. They slandered them. They accused them. They came against them. And again, the builders were like, oh, do we down tools? Do we put these things down? But they stood their ground when Nehemiah said this in Nehemiah 6 verse 9. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. They were getting frightened again. The enemies were coming with their lies, their whisper, their slander. And Nehemiah was thinking that our hands are going to get too weak, that we're going to down tools because it's just been a constant onslaught. But then he says something significant. I prayed, strengthen my hands. Prayer is so powerful. Prayer for the rebuild the restoration, the journey for our churches. We need to pray. We need to be a praying church. It's so important. And to pray for strengthening because the building and the restoration can take its toll. It can be hard work. But when we pray, God, strengthen my hands. Strengthen the tool that you've placed in my hands. Strengthen me for the rebuilding, for the restoration personally and corporately. Strengthen me, God. God will come in by his amazing power and he will strengthen you. He will strengthen the tool that he's placed in your hand. I believe there's a season we're going into of when the church will open again. And we need to be ready to build the church. 
And I think God is giving us the tools to build. But some of them are different from before. He's placing new tools in our hand. He's placing something that's different. You know, when you get a new tool or something for the garden or something you're doing DIY, it's brand new and you have to get used to how it works. But God is saying, I'm going to put new things in your hands, new tools. I'm going to give you the weapons of warfare. I'm going to give you everything you need in your hand to build. There's some things we need to lay down from the last season. And there's some things we need to pick up again in this season. Some people have shelved their tools and they've not been used and they've gathered dust, but God is saying, put the tool back in your hand again because I want you to get to work in building and restoring. The wall was restored in Nehemiah's time. It was amazing. There was great celebration. It took 52 days to build the wall. They did an amazing job because of God. And what I love is in Nehemiah 6 verse 16, when the enemies heard about this, that the wall had been rebuilt, all the surrounding nations were afraid and they lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. What I love is the glory was given to God for the rebuilding of the walls because he will build his church. He will restore his people. And they came alongside and they did the physical work under the supervision of the master builder. And the word got out and look what happened to the enemies. They lost their self-confidence. They gave up. They realized that it had been completed because the power of God. And there was great celebration. They declared the city again was no longer in ruins, but it was restored to even better than its former glory. How exciting is that? And that's what restoration and rebuild does. It takes us to a place that was even better than it was before. And that God will do that in our lives, in our churches, in our nation, when we give it over to him and when we give him the glory to restore us. The church will open again physically. It's been amazing what has happened online for the church on mass and the amazing things that have been achieved, more people tuning in than ever before. But there will come a day when we will open the doors again of church, when it will be welcoming people. I mean, don't you long for the gathering? I mean, the hugs. We have missed the hugs. We've missed being back in that place. But it's going to be a new place. And I want to encourage you with that. It's a new thing God is doing. We need to step back into the newness. We need to come to the point of saying, God, what does your church look like? Build your church and I'll co-labor with you. And so I have a question for you today that when we gather again as church, are you a kingdom builder? Are you going to bring your tools to the wall and are you going to build? You know, it's interesting that our background is a wall here. And when you look at the many bricks that are surrounding me this morning, that everybody has been given a task to do in the church, that we're called to build the church together. It was never about one person or a few people, but it's about all of us bringing our gifts and our talent to the church. And there's a brick in this wall that's got your name on it. There's something that you need to do to build the church as we come into this next season. There's something you need to sow in. Will you bring your prayer? Will you bring your warfare? Will you bring your talent? Will you bring your gift? Will you bring it to the table and say, this is what I can do in church? Will you re-pick up those tools that have been shelved? Will you ditch the tools that were last season? And will you pick up the new tool that God is giving in your hand for this season to build his house? Will you be present in the gathering? Will you say, come on, we can do this together? 
Because there's something about doing it corporately that when they're on the wall, they weren't on the wall on their own, but they were together. That they had people there protecting. They had prayer. They had community. They served together. They built together. They gave together. And that's what we're called to do as the restored, amazing church of God, to build together, to be together. So I want to encourage you to be in it together. Even now, let's start to think what it will look like when we get back and how God wants to build his house. Will we follow the master's instructions? He's got the blueprint for it. He knows what he's up to. And when we come in a place of prayer and asking him, when we say, Holy Spirit, direct us, he will direct us and it will be amazing. So I want to encourage you with that this morning. I hope this has stirred you that you are a kingdom builder, that God can restore you personally and corporately because he is so amazing and we serve a good God. So I'd love to pray with you this morning. Father God, I want to thank you for the message that you put on my heart. I want to pray, Lord God, that you would speak to every person who has heard it this morning in such that unique way that you always do, Lord God. You take the things that they need to hear and you plant that seed within their heart, Father. That you stir us up this morning to know, Lord God, that you are the master restorer. Where we need restoration, where there has been loss and devastation, I pray in Jesus' name that you would restore people's hearts, their minds, their lives and their relationships. That you would do your work to rebuild your people. And together we will be that restored church that you would build your church. You would shape us and mould us. That we would be so attractive to the people who don't, don't know you yet. That they would want to come to the doors of the church because of you the glorified Jesus at the centre of our churches and our lives. So I pray in Jesus' name that you'd stir us up this morning. Thank you. Amen. I also want to give opportunity. If you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to accept that free gift of salvation and walk in relationship with him, you can do that this morning. So I'll pray with you. So Lord God, I want to thank you for Jesus. I want to thank you that he died in my place for all my sin and my mistakes. I want to accept him into my life, to my heart this morning. And I choose to follow him all the days of my life. Amen. If you prayed that this morning, please let us know in the chat box so we can help you on this journey. Just thank you so much for listening to me this morning. I want to hand you back to our worship team and we'll go out on some praise. Thank you.